Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach, Ellie Swift, here to help you connect with your clients, create life-changing results in your online business, and shine neon bright online. I built a multi-six-figure business in under two years and, more importantly, have supported my clients to get amazing results. My clients have generated five- and six-figure launches, tripled their income, and completely transformed their lives using my signature framework, the Swift Marketing Method. In this podcast, I take you a layer deeper into my business, my life, and my mind. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get started. My guest on this week's podcast is the incredible Annie Jichuru. Annie is the founder of Uplifting Studios, a platform dedicated to supporting online business owners to build culturally and racially diverse, inclusive, and equitable businesses. Annie is also the diversity, equity, and inclusion coach and consultant for the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she supports trainees and coaches. She is deeply passionate about representation through a racial justice lens and is an internationally certified coach supporting migrant women of color, as well as humans committed to building diverse businesses. In this conversation, Annie and I cover what representation means to her, how to create an equitable and diverse business, how to show up as an ally, even when you're afraid and so much more. Annie is a woman that I genuinely believe will change the world. In fact, she already is. I know you're going to love this conversation. So it's been just over a year. By the time this goes live, it will have been a few weeks over a year since George Floyd's passing and the Black Lives Matter movement. I would love to know, what do you believe has been the most significant change you've seen in the online space, predominantly within obviously our industries, which are more coaching, consulting related? What do you believe has been positive change that you've seen within our industry over this time? And where do we still have work to do? Where do we still have a long way to go? First and foremost, thank you, Ellie, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here and having this really necessary conversation a year on. Where are we at? So within our industry, I guess the most significant change has been the desire to learn more. I think when, you know, just everything happened last year, there was just such an awakening an awakening to, you know, white folks. This is not anything that's new for those who identify as black, indigenous and people of color. This is something that is lived and well-known, you know, um, for those who identify as such. But I think for white folks, it was so eye-opening. And I guess I'd say that desire to learn more. This has been happening. Why didn't I know about it? I want to know more. So there's that desire that 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 was a most significant change. And so 
engaging with DEI, you know, consultants and um, educators and wanting to learn more specifically about anti-racism. You know, what does it mean to be anti-racist? Because we came to learn that it is not enough to say, I am not racist. You need to be anti-racist. That, that's, that's the key. Uh, a positive change within the industry, I would say, is the level of awareness. It's no longer something that we're tiptoeing around, you know, that racial inequity. It's no longer like, oh, maybe it's there or maybe it's not, or maybe people who identify as BIPOC, you know, are marginalized. It's no longer a maybe, it is a definite. And you know why, you know, and if you've done your work, if you're educating yourself, you know the reasons why, I would say. And to the third piece that you've asked there, you know, we still have a long way to go. Absolutely. I feel like we're just scratching the surface, you know, Ellie. We have a long way to go for, for two reasons in my account. Um, number one is the fear of getting it wrong. You know, fear is such a common currency that is used to ensure that we do not take action, we do not move, we do not make any changes. And so fear has been used as a currency and we can see it alive and kicking in that there are people who are too afraid to do anything to speak up against, you know, racial injustice for fear of getting it wrong or for fear of saying the wrong thing or adding um, what they think might be more harm. So fear has been a big one. And the second thing I would say is investing in educators. I think it's still not a priority. It's still, well, I don't think I am ready to invest that amount of money to learn about something that could potentially really take my business in a really positive direction. And allow me to speak to that for a, for a moment, because Please. I have found that that has been a huge resistance when it comes to investing in DEI work. And what I am beginning to see, Ellie, is that there's a shift. There's a shift that's beginning to happen for those who are truly heart-led and soul-led business owners. They want to do not just the right thing, but they want to build a business that is built on integrity. And so they want to have that kind of representation, right? And so for them, it's no longer a matter of, you know, should I invest in this? It's a matter of, this needs to go hand in hand, for example, with the business coaching that I am investing in, because there will come a time when people will be looking to work with online business owners. And unless they can see a diverse range of representation, it is going to be a deterrent. It is going to be, well, I can't see that kind of representation. I'll keep looking. Or, wow, this person seems to serve a wide range of people they're my kind of people. And I think we're definitely heading there. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's a couple of things there that I really, really want to dive into a little bit or just share a little bit on. You know, I remember when the Black Lives Matter movement kicked off and you and I had a conversation. I remember in full vulnerability having that conversation with you, hearing what you were experiencing and feeling exactly what you said just there of, I had no idea the depths 
of what Annie navigates every single day. I had no idea, absolutely no idea. So I really, really hear you around that awareness piece. And it's so far from not good enough that it took Black Lives Matter as a movement for us all to feel and experience that. But for anyone that was willing to lean in, it was huge and, you know, a huge aha moment. And so, you know, for such a horrendous situation to occur, you can really see how that catapulted so much forward movement. And I, I so hear you on it being like we're, we're in the education phase still, but mm. there's so much further to go, you know, from here. It's like maybe this is like a 10-step process and education is the first. Who knows? But I really hear you when you say that. And I, I also wanted to touch on something that you said there around investing in DEI educators as being something that you really prioritize along with other areas of your business. I remember having a conversation with uh, someone who I worked with a while back and she said to me, you know, incorporating this work into your business is a really smart business move. And I was really taken aback by that comment because I was like, I'm not doing this to be strategic. This isn't me doing this to be strategic. This is because I genuinely care, which is which is why I'm doing it. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought this is actually a point worth mentioning because in addition to us wanting to invest because we care about humanity, when it comes to investing in our businesses, so often we are thinking about our return on investment. And so it's like thinking about it through the lens of actually by demonstrating that you're a business that cares about integrity, that is actually going to make you a business that is more desirable and you know people will consider you over other options because you're demonstrating that you're somebody that is inclusive and cares. I think that that's something that's just a really, really amazing point to make and probably one that we maybe don't talk about as much because it's such a secondary thing. Obviously, we want to demonstrate that we're doing this work through being heart-led, but you brought it up. And so I just really wanted to go deeper into that. Absolutely. I I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, if you're only serving people who look like you and you're only following people who, again, look like you, you're only buying from people who just look like you, you have missed so much in terms of growth, in terms of the richness that comes with diversity and just learning different things. And I think, you know, as as business owners, it's so important to keep our finger on the pulse. You know, it's so important to grow as times grow and to be able to serve not just people who are like us, but people who may very well afford our services, because I think there's also that misconception, Ellie, that if I am going to open up my doors to BIPOC identifying folk, then maybe I will need to lower my prices. Maybe I will need to offer scholarships. But that's not always the case. You know, that is not always the case. You may very well be neglecting to serve a group of people who you could change their lives. You know, we are, we're in the business of changing people's lives. Why would we live out 
a certain group of people just because we haven't taken the time to, you know, really look into our values deeply and understand, you know, it would be so much better for us to serve humanity. It would do us so much more good. I really want to come back to that topic of scholarships. Thank you for bringing that up. So we'll we'll duck back into that in a moment. Mm. Tell me, while we're talking values, what does representation mean to you? So if we're talking about building businesses that have wide-ranging representation, what does that mean? To me personally, representation is being able to see myself represented because when we speak about diversity you know diversity is all the differences it's not just one thing and it's not just one thing that we can see you know diversity is not just race or gender it's many other things you know it's things to do with disability it's things to do with our religion our political you know um what we stand for politically, geographical location even. You know, diversity diversity is all those things, the collective differences that we each hold. And for me, when I think of representation, I think of seeing myself because it is a rarity, especially as I've chosen to, you know, call Australia home. There are not many migrant Black women who I am seeing in our industry, in our space, Ellie. And so for me to be able to go online and look for a coach who I'd like to work with and see myself represented, to me, that would speak to the representation that I'm looking for, right? And for somebody else, that representation may be something completely different. But in this regard, for me, is to be able to see another Black person represented. I love that so much because it's bespoke to you. Representation is bespoke to you. And so when you're looking at building a business through that filter, it's thinking about it through the lens of, well, who do I want to be able to feel that? Who do I want to be able to go, oh, I see myself as part of this business, I see other people who have been through the program. I really like that lens rather than almost because the alternative is to almost flip it and go as the business owner, what is the diverse audience or community that I'm serving? It's almost looking at it through that ideal client lens first and Mm -hmm. foremost and putting yourself in their shoes, which obviously, you know, as a marketing coach, I'm putting it through that filter. And I really like that. I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. When it comes to the ideal client, and this is something that I I get into deeper conversation with a lot of participants in my program, is I think we've been taught to, when we are niching, Ellie, you and I do this work, when we are niching, you know, think about maybe a younger version of yourself. And in all honesty, when you do that, you're thinking of yourself, you know, Um, when I emerged first doing this work, you know, it was wanting to serve migrant women of color. But I think we may be, in some cases, be unintentionally leaving out a piece, a group of people we could very well be serving and serving extremely well. Because when I think of myself and when I'm looking for that representation, In many ways, my story has been one of I cannot be what I cannot see. 
Many times I have gone into spaces where I have wanted to be in and wanted to maybe take that particular role. But because I haven't seen myself represented, I couldn't be that. And so after many, many years of being here and now being a mom, I realize that it is important for me to be that for somebody else. I am being that for my kids right now so that they can know that, um, you know, they do not need to hold any barriers for themselves or go like, well, I can't see anybody represented in this industry, so I can't. No, I think representation is so important for us to see ourselves represented and where we cannot, maybe we can be the ones to blaze that trail for somebody else. Thank you for sharing that. You know, the ideal client concept is one that I've been playing with as I continue to, you know, evolve the way that I teach with it being a concept that that I teach and something that I think people have paid far too much attention to in years gone by is demographics over psychographics. So if we look more at the concept of psychographics, we're looking at values and desires and we're considering more what the transformation or the outcome or the solution is that somebody is seeking rather than you know is this person a cisgender woman from you know x place and it feels like a more inclusive lens to look at it through absolutely i think the inclusivity piece is what perhaps has been missing to join those dots. And yes, that's a beautiful way of looking at it, Ellie. So we've talked a little bit about the ideal client thing and how that is potentially a mistake that, uh, you know, we might be making. What other mistakes do you see people make in their aim to build a culturally diverse, inclusive, well-represented business? There's just such a, perhaps a desire to do the right thing. Mm. I want to look at it from that lens, right? A desire to want to do the right thing. And so a quick fix. What can I quickly do right now so that those who are looking, those who are watching on social media can know that I am inclusive. And so I am going to quickly put a scholarship on and I am going to offer either scholarships or pro bono um, services without really knowing where it's coming from. And that's the biggest by far, at least in the last 12 months, Ellie, that's the biggest mistake that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And I think being a scholarship recipient myself on, on several occasions, I have seen where things could have gone better, could have been done better. And I think it's honestly coming from a place of wanting to do the right thing, but doing it without the education. And again, this is a piece that I speak to in greater detail in my program. But just to address this, you know, if you are looking to be more inclusive or, you know, build that culturally diverse, racially diverse, inclusive and really equitable business, the very first step starts by educating yourself. And this will never go, it will never get old, you know, educating yourself. And it goes beyond listening to a podcast. It goes beyond reading a book, taking the time to invest in an educator who is for you, because there are so many educators out there. It's investing in an educator who gets you or who you get 
and you want to walk that journey with. You want them to, you know, lead you in that journey. And it's really important that when you're looking at educating yourself, that it goes beyond just doing one thing and going like, oh, well, I did that course in 2020. I'm good now. It doesn't work like that. You know, Ellie, you and I are coaches and it doesn't work like that. You have a coach that you've been committed to for years and you can see the growth that you've made in your business. And for me, it's the same. I invest in coaches. I have a support system. I have people who are mentoring me, people who are coaching me through the work that I am doing. This is not a D, you know, do it yourself kind of project. And the same thing goes with, you know, this work of inclusion, you have got to educate yourself and taking it back to specifically to scholarships, you've got to do it in a way that number one, it's intentional. You're not doing it because everybody's doing it. You're doing it from a place of you're informed. Can I hold a safe space for the people who are going to come into that space? Who are the people that I want to give this opportunity to? Okay. For example, we're talking about, you know, Black, Indigenous, and people of color. I want to give the opportunity to them. Do I know the barriers and the challenges that they've been facing? Can I hold that space for them? If the challenge that the person who's coming to work with me is perhaps visibility, and clearly we know in our industry there isn't much of that um, in terms of numbers, and they're having that difficulty showing up visibly. When you do not come from a place of knowing the history behind it and holding that space gently, but still being able to encourage them to get through to the other side, then this will be a program that you will potentially put together and not be able to, you know, reap the benefits or see the benefits that the person, you know, the recipient gets. So it is knowing how to hold a safe space, but also a program that will be ultimately successful for your business and the scholarship recipient. On the topic that you just spoke to of almost like doing the work that people can see, you know, the irony in that is that I've really learned that it's the work that no one sees that is the work that matters. Like it's so easy to put a DEI statement on your website that maybe you've seen off someone else's website and you've copy and pasted, right? Or, you know, to share something on which for the record, do not recommend doing, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> feel like I should say that. Or, you know, sharing an Instagram story from, you know, a person of color that you follow and maybe it's an amazing message, but you're just doing that on an ad hoc basis. Like you can totally do those things and not not the slap up DEI statement, the Instagram stories that you're sharing. You can totally share that and that's awesome, but it means absolutely nothing if you're not doing any work behind the scenes. And I also just at this point, I really like to say in any of these conversations that as I'm talking about any of this, I'm not coming at it from the place of I believe I have done all the work that I need to do. I think it's really, really important if I can just almost pause this right now, Annie, and just say this is coming from somebody who has been doing work for maybe two years and is very much at the start still. You know, I I don't see myself as being somebody who has done I wanted to swear just then, but I know your kid's going to be listening to this and I can't, but a lot of work. Let me say this, Ellie, as well. What has set you apart from many, 
you know, as coaches is the fact that you have been, maybe you have been, but you have come across as unafraid. You've just gone in. You've gone like, I need to educate myself. I know I will make mistakes, but I would rather make the mistake than stay silent Mm -hmm. and not do anything. And that's what sets you apart. And the thing with just to speak about being performative, because I believe that's what you were alluding to, you know, being performative, slapping things on there. We can tell people who are performative. If you just put that square back in 2020, the black square, you know, standing in solidarity, you know, your actions speak louder than your words, to be quite honest. And if you just have a DEI statement, but then again, there's nothing more to indicate that there is education, there is an interest and a desire to be inclusive and that you are doing that actively, it will show. Mm. It will definitely show. And I think that is something that a lot of people are afraid of doing this, but they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want people to think I'm being performative. But I think if you're coming from a place of pure intention, when you're being genuine, that shouldn't even cross your mind. And if that's the case, you know, if that's what's going to hold you back, then, you know, you really need to reevaluate your values. You've probably heard me say this before, but I often say, so I speak about this in reference to sales and I want to transition this across to this conversation, but I often say like the people that are really worried about being sleazy and salesy are the people who do not need to be worried and the people that are not worried probably should be. (laughs) And it's almost the same in this instance. It's like, if you're coming from that place of genuine care, then that thought's probably crossed your mind of, am I appearing performative? And if you're having that considered thought, then you probably really don't need to. But if you're not at all having that thought, then maybe, you know, you're too far the other way. And I also thank you for saying what you said earlier about appearing not afraid. I really want to touch on that for a moment because I think that for anyone that's listening, I really want them to know that I've been deeply afraid the entire time. And I think that this is so, you know, obviously this being a business podcast, this is so akin to everything we do in business in that I haven't let the fear stop me. I've let the fear come along with me for the ride and Sometimes fear has, you know, come into the front seat when maybe I have, you know, said or done something that has caused harm, which hand up I have because on this learning journey to absolutely get it right 100% of the time, not likely, and have continued forward, you know, despite feeling that. And so I think that it's like feeling that fear, but really showing up anyway, because As a white woman, me being afraid is the most BS excuse, like Mm -hmm. the most BS excuse. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like what a privileged thing to be afraid to speak out. That's just the most ridiculous thing to me. And so I just wanted to say that because I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening going, but I'm afraid. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, I have been as well. (laughs) Don't let that stop you. And, you know, one of the things I I mention as well in my teachings is, you know, for people like us who identify as Black, Indigenous or people of colour, 
we don't get to sit it out. There is no day you go like, well, today I'm just going to take a break on being black and I'm just going to take a back seat and, you know, I'm just not going to take part today. I'm just taking a break and um, hopefully I just get treated, you know, well and that there is no, um, you know, I guess here in Australia, it's very covert. You, you don't even realize it. It's not in your face. And so it takes a while when you go, hey, hang on, <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, we don't have a choice. You don't get to sit it out. You're in the arena, so to speak, yes. every day, every day. And, and it is a privilege to be able to go like, yeah, I'm not going to speak up or mm-hmm. I'm afraid. It is an absolute privilege. And to quote, you know, Liz Gilbert in her book, Big Magic. I don't know if you've read that book, Kelly. It's my favorite book. Is it? Yeah, I can't believe we've never had this conversation before. Favorite book ever. Okay, okay. Um, You know how she talks about fear and she says fear comes with you in the car. You know, fear is with you in the journey, but fear is not allowed to take the driver's seat ever. You know, you can come, you can sit in the back seat and you just be quiet fear. We are riding together. You are there, but you're not calling the shots. That's fear. And that's how you deal with it. And I know it's easier said than done. But if you look at it from that perspective, it's not doing this work unafraid. It's absolutely doing it afraid, but doing it anyway. Oh, yes. You know, um, I often think like the only people that I've ever witnessed who don't experience fear are psychopaths. <laughs> and yet there's kind of this concept of, you know, I'm just supposed to get over the fear before I do the thing. I'm supposed to eradicate the fear completely before I speak out, before I, you know, become somebody who, you know, builds a business that is well represented. And like, that's just not a thing. That is just not a thing. The eradication of the fear of fear is something that will never happen ever. And so knowing, as you say, that it's always going to be with you in that car, but it's in the backseat and you're always driving. It's such a great analogy because it really demonstrates that we're all driving every day with the presence of fear. And I know for me in business, that is, that is so, so true. And imagine if we got into this thinking that we could just do it unafraid. I mean, remember the first post saying you're a coach and going like, oh my gosh, I am just going to like not come up for air until, (laughs) you know, the sun sets and it's over and it's a new day. But you just have to take those baby steps. You have to show Mm -hmm. up. And for me, I often feel that the desire to do is greater than the desire to hold back, the desire to do, to be, to show up that is so much stronger than to just be silent and just watch. And I actually think as well, the more education you do in relation to having an anti-racist business, the more courageous you feel because you're fueled by information And so it's really interesting the habits that we've witnessed around, you know, performative activism in the last 12 months because it's such a reflection of how we consume content as a society. You know, we read headlines and we, 
have dinner party conversations based on topics that we only know, yeah, three lines about because we haven't clicked through to the whole article or we've read information that is incorrect because it's not through, you know, proper journalism or whatever it might be. And so almost that act of like really studying and understanding something is a habit that has become so lost. And it's it's almost a great reminder that that is still the way that we properly learn. Like we really need to focus on going back to like truly educating ourselves on new topics. I love that you have said that because the only way to beat that fear of saying the wrong thing, and you will, we will say the wrong thing. You know, I get things wrong. It's not about not ever saying the wrong thing or not ever making a mistake. No, it's about coming from a place of being informed doing the work, i.e. reading, educating yourself so that you're, when these things come up, when you're speaking up, you're actually speaking up from a place of information. You're speaking up from a place of, I know this, I have read this, this is what I believe it to be. And even having that courage to have those conversations with loved ones, because I know that's where sometimes it can be most difficult, you know, but if you're coming from it, like, this is what I've read, this is what I am hearing. What do you think? You know, opening up those, those um, doors of dialogue, conversation, if you like, but coming from an informed place and reading widely. And the thing is, there are just so many recommendations. You can never go through it. There's just so much information out there. But it's just being diligent enough to, to consume it as much as you do your business stuff. Yes, absolutely. And so because you've touched on that, I feel like I need to dive a little deeper. So family members, do you have any like, I mean, this is such a big topic, we could have a whole other podcast on it. (laughs) But do you have any other kind of tips that you would give anyone other than being informed to have those conversations? Is there anything that you would offer up as Mm -hmm. always going with this or this is my recommendation or if I could give you one piece of advice, it would be this? Take a look at your feed, your social media feed, whether you're big on Instagram, Facebook or YouTube, you know, whatever is your go-to, have a look at that feed and see who are you predominantly following? Who is informing what you're hearing? Who's informing what you're seeing? When your feed comes up, are you just seeing people who look like you and people who sound like you? Because in many ways, and that's just such a small act that you and I probably don't think about, but the things that we are scrolling, who are you liking? What are you liking? Again, Are you just liking content that is people who just look and sound like you? Start from there. And then maybe, maybe just maybe start following people who do not look like you, who do not sound like you. And maybe they don't even prescribe to the same things that you believe in. But just start following them and start learning things differently. It's almost like when you travel to a different country and you take on, you know, you learn about different cultures and how they do things and why they do things, you are so much better for it. You're so much more knowledgeable for it. And the chances of you doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing, you know better. Why? Because you've been there. You've experienced it. And it's kind of the same thing when it comes to social media. Just looking through your feed and going like, okay, who do I follow? 
let me have a look. Uh, do I have any black indigenous or people of color represented here? Mm. No. Why? And kind of just sitting with that and asking yourself why. And I know the question that comes up a lot is, but I don't know any, you know, black people, or I don't know any, you know, people who do not look like me. Well, social media is there. There are so many brilliant people you could be following and learning from. And so I just encourage you to take that time to follow accounts you normally wouldn't, purely from a perspective of getting a different account of things. You know, who are you buying from? Who are you supporting? Because who you support, essentially that's going to, you know, uh, grow that person's business. It will be, support that group of people. Okay, I want to touch back onto scholarships really briefly because we've kind of talked about it from a couple of angles. And so the question I want to ask is, you know, being a business coach, I have a lot of people who, as they're going through their launch process, will say, I really want to consider scholarships. So I really want to offer scholarships. And I also, just as I'm asking this, I really want to touch on what you said previously, which is, please don't essentially, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here from me, but let's not make an assumption that black indigenous people of color require scholarships. That's discriminatory to be doing that. That's racist behavior. And I remember learning that and going, oh my gosh, that is so very true. And so just wanting to, um, I guess, frame this through that lens first and foremost and, and restate that point that you made so beautifully previously, Annie. But if we are looking at scholarships as a way of also creating more inclusivity across our business for people who may not have the financial means, yes. what would you say to somebody who is looking at incorporating scholarships into their business? I would definitely advise take your time. Take your time. It is not something that you need to do right away because everybody's doing it. Take your time. Identify who is it that you would like to support. Why do you want to support them? You know, and when you put that program together, there are a few things that you need to consider. For example, if it's one spot that you're giving away and that spot ends up going to, say, somebody like me, a Black person, and I come into that program and I am the only black person and potentially everybody just, everybody just knows Ellie. It's Annie who's the recipient, you know, potentially. Now, what does that do for somebody who doesn't want to be identified in that way? Mm. What happens to somebody who is not at that level where they're, they're okay with that? Or, I mean, just, just think about that for a moment. You're trying to do the right thing, but Again, that's where it comes back to holding those spaces, you know, holding those spaces that are safe. If I come into this space, will I feel safe to show up? Will I feel safe to be put with somebody who is a buddy? And if the relationship doesn't go ahead, will it be just purely because maybe the timing didn't work out? Or maybe is it because I'm Black? Because those are the questions that come up. And so I would say, take your time, take your time. And I keep saying this, and I know it sounds probably a bit oversaid, but please educate yourself. Learn what those barriers are. Learn what those challenges are that, you know, 
such a person would be experiencing come from a place of knowledge so that when you do open up those doors and you do have those spots available that you're not just making one available but perhaps there are a few more and in doing so also that it is done in a way that you're proud of that you feel i put my heart into this that it wasn't just a tick box exercise and also maybe go beyond and this is i get into specifics in in my program ellie but go beyond having that form where somebody fills in and they identify take the time to have a one on one quick 30 minute chat get to know am i the coach for them am i the right fit right identify that get to know each other build that rapport and probably the most significant thing i can say if you do bring them on think about do i have connection with somebody who is a person of color or a black person or an indigenous person who is in a coach who i can refer them to perhaps if things get to a stage where i feel you know what i probably may not understand you know but i do have somebody who is great at what they do highly qualified and they can support you in this way and you tie that to your scholarship program that's another way of holding a safe space that's another way of um ensuring that you're taking care of their needs beyond what you yourself can do amazing thank you so much for sharing those tips that was incredibly generous advice to share and so much as a starting point so i really really appreciate you doing that annie i have loved having this conversation with you before we wrap up can you please share with us i know that you have a training coming up uh, and i'd also really love for you to share a little bit more about represented for those of you listening i will be in the next round of represented i'm so excited to be part of it I have known Annie for a few years now and am very proud to call her my friend and an absolutely incredible human in this space. And I can't wait to learn from you. And so if you could please share a little bit more about this free training and represent it, that would be wonderful. Absolutely, Ellie. But before I do, allow me to say this, Ellie Swift, you have played such a significant role in my business journey you were the person who directed me into coaching i'll never forget that dinner that we had back in late 2018 when you were telling me about this coaching academy called the beautiful you coaching academy hadn't had heard of it but just the way you spoke of it so you got me on this journey but you didn't just get me on this journey ellie you've been that person who has opened the door for me you have been that person who has cheered me on you have been that person who has checked in on me and i feel like you have deeply invested in my success so as people watch me in my business and think well that i did this on my own no ellie is one of a handful of women white women who have opened doors for me 
who have invested in me, who have cheered me on. And I wouldn't be where I am in my business without what Ellie has done for me. So I just want to be clear on that. And when you hear about issues to do with allyship, when you hear about advocacy, Ellie is living it. She's been living it long before the 2020 awareness rose. We've sat down and we've had conversations about, Annie, you need to go for this because somebody like you needs to be in this space. And I'm like, ah, no, nah, you need to. She's been that person who has held the door open. And she hasn't been afraid to share a space with me or go like, oh, maybe she might steal my shine or it's getting a bit competitive. Never. And I am so grateful, incredibly grateful that somebody like this exists and has opened that door for me. So let me just say that I am so grateful for you and for the tables to now be turned, for me to be holding that space and welcoming you in and guiding you through this journey of inclusivity, of equity, of diversity, through a racial lens, it'll be my absolute honor to do this. I don't know how I'm supposed to speak as a podcast host right now. <laughs> oh, Annie. I'm handing back over to you in a moment because I feel like on that beautiful cliffhanger of tell us everything about your program, but I, I just want to say that I'm so blown away and humbled by every word that you just said there. It means so much to me. I just love you so, so deeply and believe in you so deeply. And I have from that first moment that we met. And it's such a privilege for me to get to support other incredible women. And so it was never a question to support you, but also knowing that there was an opportunity for me to do so and support you to open some of those doors when I realized that that was something that was possible for me to do as a white woman to use my privilege in that way. I didn't even know that that was a thing until I started understanding that that was a thing, at which point it was like, oh, this is ridiculous that this is a thing, but I'm going to use that privilege as much as I possibly can. And so to those of you who are listening, who identify as being white women, please use your privilege. Please use it to support and elevate your incredible black, indigenous women of color, friends, advocate for them, champion them, cheer them on, um, because it makes a huge difference as you're seeing through this conversation. So thank you for those words. They mean so much to me. Now, please share about Represented because I want everyone listening to be joining me for this program. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But before we get into Represented, I am doing a live training that um, is now available for you to register. So the live training is on your business and representation. So really touching on what it's costing you to not have representation in your business. Because I think a lot of times we think, well, 
a lack of representation may not be an issue, but I really want to speak to you on what it's potentially costing you in your business and what you can do, the tools that you can begin to utilize to help you build that culturally and racially diverse, inclusive and equitable business. So that live training is available for you to register right now. If you head over to my Instagram, if I can say that, um, Ellie. My handle is Uplifting Studios TV and link in bio, and you will find it there to register for the live training. And then represented, oh my gosh, represented means so much to me because it's a course that was birthed out of so much in me that I, I never thought I would be sitting down and talking about the, the 20 plus years of being in Australia as a migrant woman of color and really sharing not just my life, but how we can lock arms together and really truly be activators of change. For me, represented is really, when I think why I do it, I do it for my children. My children who all they've ever known as home is Australia. And for them to know that there are no barriers, that they can be anything that they dream or believe in becoming. And that when we build businesses that are truly inclusive, where we can see ourselves, ourselves represented, then truly we're going to be forces to be reckoned with. And so represented... I would absolutely love you to join the waitlist. Again, the link in my bio and judging from what the pilot course, um, the pilot round has said about this from life changing to, you know, just absolutely incredible. One of the best programs that they have ever had the privilege of taking in the DEI space has been absolutely heartwarming and really reaffirmed how much needed this work is. And if I ever had any fear of stepping out in this way, I think I feel so validated by the difference this has made to the first round. So if you've been thinking about building a business that's truly representative, I would love to invite you to join that wait list. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know um, for everyone that's listening, Nivek, who you also know as part of Team Swift and who you've met was part of the first round and has shouted about it so loudly. So it will, yeah, we're big fans here at Team Swift of Annie and her work. Get around it, come and join me. I will be part of it and I would love to be in that experience with you. Annie, thank you so much for being here, for sharing as you have and for being so generous with the information that you've shared and also for the role you play in my life. I love you. I'm so happy to have had this chat. I love you too, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Everyone, you can jump on over and uh, check out those links. We'll pop them in the show notes so that you've got access to all of that information. Uh, And we will be chatting more soon. Bye for now. How amazing is Annie? I hope you loved that interview as much as I loved recording it for you. It's always so fun to see where conversations go with guests. And the way that I record these interviews for you is we, you know, we have a few questions that we dive into, but 
there's a lot of wriggle room for the magic to come up. And it certainly did in this interview. Now, I just wanted to jump back in on the mic here because I am going to close out this interview with a testimonial from Represented, which you just heard Annie and I speak about. This testimonial is from Julie Parker, who is the founder and CEO of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and is an incredible example of why Represented is such a game-changing program. Like I mentioned just now, I will be in the next round with Annie, and I encourage you to come and join me. I would absolutely love to have you journeying this experience with me. We will pop in the show notes the link to the represented waitlist, as well as a link to Annie's Instagram, where you can make sure you're both on the waitlist and following Annie to jump on board her upcoming uh, masterclass as well. Big love to you and have a great week ahead. I signed up for Represented because I wanted to expand my knowledge in the area of diversity, uh, inclusion and equity, and in particular what those things mean uh, from a racial justice uh, perspective. And I am so glad that I did because Represented was a truly brilliant course. Annie Gishiru holds such deep, loving, reverent space for everyone that comes into her work and business and life. And she's also powerful and challenging when it comes to really getting yourself into action to be anti-racist and be the sort of business owner that can make a difference uh, in this realm. I can't recommend represented higher enough uh, or deep enough. Um, It was an incredible experience. The people in it were divine. The content by Annie and how she delivers it was so rich and meaningful. I learned many, many new things and had many others uh, reaffirmed to me. And If you are a business owner that is really wanting to do more and better in this space and have a business that's truly anti-racist, then you could not learn um, from anyone better than Annie. She's amazing. This course represented is incredible. And I personally think that it should be on the must-do list for every entrepreneur and online business owner in the world. It's up to us to do this work and it's so wonderful that we have people like Annie to be able to reach out and do it with.